think there's a lot of experts out there, and rightfully so, but this is where you've got to apply emotional self-awareness and reality testing, is if you're conducting a conversation with someone, and then as that relationship develops, they might share some things, concerns about their kids, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe some self-doubt about their own leadership. What happens is without self-awareness and reality testing, you fall into TMI, too much information too soon. And the human psyche isn't ready for it, but you've got to read the situation. So I always found that a great cue when someone else revealed some vulnerability, then that opened up the door for me. And I found that that is how you kept building deeper and deeper. Hi, welcome to Stop Killing Deals. This is the follow-up episode on human connection. And with me today is Colleen Stanley. Colleen is the author of two sales books, Emotional Intelligence for Sales Success and Emotional Intelligence for Sales Leadership. Colleen is also president of Sales Leadership, a sales development firm focused on the integration of emotional intelligence, sales, and sales leadership skills. So hi, and welcome Colleen to the show. George, thanks for having me. And it's great to finally meet you officially across the seas. Yes, exactly the same. We've seen each other and bumped into each other and communicated on LinkedIn a lot. Yes. Great to be uh, face-to-face, although not in real life. (laughs) Well, soon, soon. Uh, Your your country's on my bucket list. So there you go. Great. Yeah, you need to come in the summer. That's the best place. Okay, best good, good advice. For Stockholm. So in the last episode, we talked about human connections. And uh, Michelle spoke about this idea of it's hard to define what human connection is. And she said that it's something you just feel when you have this connection with someone. You feel seen, heard, and understood. So I wanted to start by asking you, what, what is your sort of definition or how how do you, how do you, uh, what is human connection to you? You know, human connection, I think, and I think Michelle kicked it off, no need to add to her definition there. Um, But I think the skill set, especially with the work we do in emotional intelligence, what allows you to be there, present, feel somebody's Mm -hmm. uh, being fully present with you is the EQ skill of empathy. You know, and so when you study empathy, it is that ability to know and care about what another person is thinking or feeling. And people that are naturally tuned into other people, they really have developed a second skill. And that is a skill of paying attention, which, by the way, is dramatically decreasing in corporate America. (laughs) And so you you actually do feel that energy that somebody's perfectly present. But I would say you back it up. And that's an empathy skill. Right. Yeah, that is interesting. I think that is declining worldwide, uh, not just in business America. I think uh, just attention spans and the ability to be in the moment have have gone down. At least that's my my perception. So if we if we take this to the selling space now and and, and look at <laughs> sellers, so how how important is it for sellers to be able to create this human connection? Do you think? Well, you know, there's an old adage, and I'm certainly not the one that coined it, right? But the it, it's still pretty true today. People buy from people they like, all right? And sometimes people even add the word who are like them. And that doesn't mean that you do not have to have strong business acumen, expertise, because they're going to buy on credibility and competence. But, you know, if you've got a really good competitor out there, George, and, and mm-hmm. everyone does, you know, you might have somebody that's pretty darn smart. They're equal on the competence. Maybe the company even has a really similar product and great product. 
So what's the deciding factor? You know, I like George. I actually think he cares about me. He gets me. And so that could be the deciding factor there. So I think it's huge. Mm, could be the differentiator that sets you apart. And do you think salespeople are good at this? Uh, in general, if we're generalizing, are, are, are we focused on creating that connection or are salespeople too focused on pitching product or getting the, the features and functions across? Well, you know, I think it's a yes and no. And I, I believe what happens is I see a lot of salespeople that get very attached to the outcome, right? And that outcome is I've got to get a meeting. I've got to close the, uh, I've got to close the sale. And anytime I see where you get very attached to that outcome, what you're getting unattached to is being perfectly present and really trying to understand your situation. So you've got to have what we'd call emotional self-awareness to know when you're getting too attached to the outcome and not attached enough to really figuring out what's the day in the life like for you? What's really the pressing problems? Am I the right solution? So I would say salespeople naturally have it, but sometimes their environment drives a non-productive selling behavior, which is I got to close the deal. I got to get the deal. And that's all about yourself. And it's not about your prospect or customer. Right. That's interesting. I had, the, I had an interview with Charles Green, uh, yes. who, who wrote The Trusted Advisor, and he shared his trusted or trust formula, I think he called it. And that was a very good formula because it defines that if, if you have your self-interest at heart, it really kills trust. And if you're that attached to the outcome to sell, well, of course, that's, that's a, the pure definition of, of self-interest. Uh, so you lose the trust and, and, of course, the connection, I guess, as well. Yeah. And when you become self-focused, what ends up happening is you don't ask the truth-telling questions because um, like a, a real common example might be if you're trying to unseat an incumbent. Mm -hmm. And so you don't come in and really just ask the obvious question, what's making you take a look? Because, and again, you've got good competitors out there. <laughs> Let's apply reality testing. Uh, there's good competition. So some salespeople even miss that basic question. What's making you take a look? XYZ company's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And um, you'll avoid that question because you're afraid you might hear an objection. You can't overcome. You'll hear an answer you don't want to hear. So then you miss the meeting after the meeting, or you don't have a deep conversation. You have a very superficial conversation. And anyone can run a superficial conversation, but those deeper ones where you're really demonstrating that interest, being willing to bring up the unspoken objection, I believe that's what really establishes credibility and trust on a call. And what advice would you give then to not be so attached to the outcome, but be more in the moment and, and ask those deeper questions? Well, here's a great tip. Full sales pipeline set you free. So think about the mindset, George, you have when you've got a full pipeline, right? You're not desperate. You're actually, you without any bit of sales training, right? Mm -hmm. You will naturally do the right behaviors because if I've got a really full pipeline, I got to qualify you, George. I don't even know if I've got time to have you in my calendar, much less put you in my pipeline. So you naturally... Ask the curiosity questions. You know, Michelle referred to that a lot. You're yeah. very open to disqualifying, making sure you fit my ideal client profile so that when we do sell, maybe close the business, you're happy with the business. So full pipeline sets you free. And the mm -hmm. way you get a full pipeline, the EQ skill is delayed gratification. 
putting in the work to consistently calendar block, do the work, have the resiliency to work through those times when you're getting more no's than yeses. I guess some salespeople might have a challenge with when it comes to these more personal uh, connections or becoming a bit more personal, maybe sharing some uh, some of your personal experiences to become, well, more relatable, I guess, is that it, it's hard to draw that line. How personal should I get? Am I professional if I start sharing my personal stories or not? How, how would you talk to that? How, how, what's your thought on those things? How personal should you get in order to create that connection? So you bring up a really great point because, you know, I think there's a lot of experts out there and rightfully so talking about vulnerability, right? And transparency. But this is where you've got to apply emotional self-awareness and reality testing. And I'll give you, I'll share some advice that I got from a friend of mine. He actually has a PhD in communication and how he explained relationship building is if you're conducting a conversation with someone and maybe your customer shares something personal about themselves, well, that's really the entry point to share maybe something personal there. And then as that relationship develops, they might share some things, concerns about their kids, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe some self-doubt about their own leadership. And then that's when you can do it. What happens is without self-awareness and reality testing, you fall into TMI, too much information too soon. And the human psyche isn't ready for it. And so we want to be vulnerable. We want to be open. But you've got to read the situation. So I always found that a great cue. When someone else revealed some vulnerability, then that opened up the door for me. And I found that that is how you kept building deeper and deeper. So that would Mm. be my recommendation from my friend. Yeah, that's good. Good recommendation. I guess it's kind of hard, though, to get someone to open up and share that type of information with you, um, especially early on in the sales cycle when you're just making the first connection. But as any relationship, relationships hopefully mature and go deeper. And, and a, another thing that Michelle said that I thought was interesting, uh, that I believe refers uh, or, or connects well to selling is that she said, connect for life and not for need. Uh, and I think as sellers, we sometimes we're so focused that, like you say, on the outcome, on the need, on the pain. Um, but if you instead go in with that idea of wanting to connect with someone to help them and have a much more long-term perspective, I think that could really help to create those connections. Does that resonate with you as well? Yeah. And I, and I think a great quote, certainly not mine, but kind of remember processes are efficient, people are not. And so again, Uh we have to have the self-awareness. And, you know, I love the technology we have, but you've got to be aware of some of the bad habits technology is creating. And one of those bad habits and behaviors is instant gratification. So George, I show up, you and I have a cup of coffee. And then at that point, I'm expecting you to open up your database and give me a bunch of referrals and introductions. That's just not going to happen. And Mm. so this is where, you know, from an EQ perspective, interpersonal skills are that ability to maintain relationships. So that could be establishing a metric. If I'm trying to build a referral partnership or even just a relationship with a customer, where am I tapping into instant gratification versus delayed gratification? And I think it's having the awareness that good salespeople are high utilitarians. They like a return on investment. That's what makes them good. 
but you have to have the that awareness of when I'm just looking for the return rather than, as Michelle would say, uh, a short-term return versus a long-term return. Right. And from a management perspective, we are very good at managing and measuring opportunities, pipeline. We, we do strategic account reviews. But do you think we should be measuring and valuing connections? Absolutely. So when we have uh, established what we call the sales metrics, the leading indicators. So, uh, you know, and Joanne Black speaks to this, a colleague of mine quite well, teaches referral training. But when you take a look at referrals, and I would loop back to something Michelle said, you know, we're, we're measuring asking for referrals and introductions, which is important, you know, because what you measure does grow and improve. However, do we measure the give goal? How many introductions are we making? And this can be for referral partners or our clients that we're in contract with or not in contract with. And so sometimes we're not measuring the right leading indicator. And, and I think the give goal is something I think Tim Sanders talks about and, and uh, Bob Berg and, and Go-Getter. So, yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. we're measuring the wrong metric and then we can't figure yes. out why we don't have a really healthy top of the funnel. Yeah, that is interesting. We we, uh, I think we, uh, th there's a lot of interesting KPIs we might not be following in sales that we ought to follow closer. Well, how about a handwritten thank you note? Now, I mean, mm -hmm. it's gotten a little more difficult in COVID because people aren't in offices. But prior to that, I mean, I just get on salespeople <laughs> and I do not need one more email in my inbox. Thank you for your business. You know, you've just landed a hundred thousand dollar, a million dollar contract, and you cannot pick up a pen, write a note, mm. and put a stamp on it. You know, ridiculous. But see, that takes time, and yeah. uh, an email is quick. So again, having that awareness where we're kind of giving into instant gratification versus that really true relationship building, which is delayed gratification. Yeah, and I think the word connection has maybe lost its meaning a bit with LinkedIn and others, where we we connect with people on LinkedIn. However, it's just a, you know, it's just someone who has said yes to connect with my profile. We don't really have a connection. Right. Uh, so that's also an interesting thing. How do we, how should we be working with our internet or LinkedIn and social media contacts or connections in a way that actually drives connection? Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, do you have, have you seen anyone doing sort of connection at scale um, or, or I guess it's a better way to phrase this is connection uh, initiation in a good way at scale. Well, you know, I, I think what's interesting about some of the social selling is you have to really take a look at how it's landing on another individual. And yeah. so, you know, one of the skill sets you teach is to comment on somebody's blog and, and, uh, but, you know, you can almost spot that, um, that intention even in a written note there. So one of the things I believe we're getting away from is if there's something you could really add a value to someone is, you know, do add the value, but see, again, you've got to know the day in the life. What are they looking for? Is it a benchmark study? Is it um, an introduction to somebody that you know that they'd like to meet? So it has nothing to do with your business. It has everything to do with them helping their business, right? Um, and then maybe it's just picking up the phone in having a conversation <laughs> because that's, you know, when you take a look at it, the real live conversation is where a relationship starts happening. So, you know, all of these vanity metrics we have, you know, liking, 
et cetera. We're starting to confuse that with a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Such. I think so too. Mm-hmm. And I think we also lose track of our connections. Uh, when we, in the business perspective, we have them in the CRM, but then they, they switch jobs and all of a sudden yeah. we, they're not on our radar anymore, although they should be. Um, so sometimes you know, I wonder if we should flip that whole system around and, and focus on the, the person instead of the company or opportunity. Well, well you're reminding me, George, George, of a story that one of my CEOs told me. So I, I found this really interesting. And he's a really smart CEO as far as he was a former VP of sales. So he's, he, he understands sales quite well. So he had a salesperson and she was bringing down a million dollars in commissions. Okay. So, you know what the top line is. And wow. that was extraordinary for that, this industry. And so I'm thinking, well, she just must be this activity animal, right? You know, KPIs <laughs> and all of this. Mm-hmm. You know what her number one mode was and the only mode she would not make cold calls. She never lost track of a client to your point. So when a client Mm. decided to move, as he explained to me, when they moved to their new office, there was a nice fruit basket. There was a nice gift sitting on their desk. Never lost a client. So, you know, Mm. again, this is where we have to sit there and go, are we busy or are we productive? And I have never forgotten that story because I've been guilty of that. All of a sudden, you know, I know a client's leaving and then do, you know, am I by tracking that person, or it could be a salesperson that leaves, but you know they eventually become managers and owners. So I, I think you make a great point. Yes, and I think that's something we we miss out on a lot of business by not doing that part well. We're just chasing new logos all the time. Exactly, uh, and, and, and that, you've got plenty right, right on the table. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to managers. Like we, we talked about a human connection between a, sort of a seller and, and, and a buyer a bit, but how about the relationship or the connection between a manager and a salesperson? How can that sort of be improved, do you think, from, from the, the way it's working right now and, and if we generalize? One of the biggest factors that I'm seeing on not building relationships, period, but let's take the sales manager and salesperson relationship is the managers haven't made a decision to be present in each and every conversation, right? So number one, sometimes the coaching cadence doesn't happen, even though the research is clear, a coach salesperson with the right attitude, habits, skills, you know, all of those good things, Mm -hmm. they will outperform a non-coach person, but the manager gets very distracted by firefighting, right? So they either cancel the coaching conversation or they show up, but here's what happens. You know, they got the phone, they got, you know, I call it the cell phone, in particular, the adult banky, you know, a pacifier, they can't go anywhere without it. They got their computer over here, you know, it's alerts and stuff, it is crazy. So then they're wondering why they're not building a relationship with their salesperson, because when they're sitting down, they're not perfectly present with that salesperson. So yeah, they're, you can check the box, but they're kind of checking the box and not really checking it. That, that can happen very yeah. easy because of the workload of a manager. I wonder about that workload, though. Is, is it that the workload is so high or is it also a part of it that they want to feel busy and look busy? Well, I think that's, that's an interesting question. So sometimes if you've got too much of a workload, if you get past the presenting problem, right? I'm always firefighting or I have to come in and rescue and close the deal. 
So you think, okay, that's where the problem is. But if you back up, the real problem is you haven't invested enough time transferring the habits, skills, and knowledge that made you a top producer. That's why you got to keep, you know, rescuing and closing the deal. Or if you have a repeated problem, as I always tell my clients, if you've got a repeatable problem, you've got a preventable problem because you actually have a system for screwing up. Because Mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you have the same problem 10 times, you have nailed the system. Well, let's screw this up, whether it's a sale after the sale or before. <laughs> so I, I think some of that is that old adage of slowing down to speed up. Yeah, yeah definitely. I guess another question might be, how, how, if, if, you, if you believe it's important to create connections with your people and you want them to connect, create connections, how do we track that? How do we even know if our salespeople are creating good connections with prospects and customers. How would you recommend that we keep track of our connection building, so to speak, or strength of connections? Well, if you think about it, right? Um, Lifetime value of a customer. So if you've got a transactional salesperson, maybe they've closed the business, okay? They're very skilled, but you know what? It really wasn't the right solution or nobody's staying in touch afterwards. And if you think about it, Your best customer is somebody else's best prospect. So what can happen for people that are really wired to be good hunters, they do need to put in a system for account management, if that indeed is their role, right? Sometimes you have people that are handling that role, but there's a lot of companies that don't, you know, they don't, they're not the size where they can have the specialization. So again, have the awareness to say, you know what? I really am good at closing. Now, what's my system for account management? for nurturing. And it's not just doing the business reviews. It might be, what am I going to do outside of business? Um, You know, George, as I was preparing for today, I was reminded of, it's a a concept called the McKay 66. Do you remember this uh, profile? So Harvey McKay, uh, he was, you know, one of the first sales trainers and Mm -hmm. he developed something called the McKay 66. So he was a business owner and he ran an envelope company. Now, if you think about that, that's a commoditized product, you know, envelopes or envelopes. So he decided how we're going to win business is customer intimacy. So he had his reps always complete a 66 question questionnaire on their customers. Because Mm -hmm. see, if I can answer 66 questions about my customers, I'm going to know them better than anyone else. So yeah, there were some business questions, but it could be what are their hobbies? Uh, what are their kids' names? You know, Some of those things we think are kind of basic, but they're huge. So it always makes me wonder um, when we're managing people, what if we had a 66 questionnaire? What hmm. do I know about George? What are his core values? What are his long-term goals? What are his short-term goals? Um, you know, what does he you know, you know, want for uh, children, et cetera? So I think that could be an interesting thing. So it can be a little metric oriented, but guess what information you've done cover by those set of metrics? A lot yeah. about the person. Yeah. Very that long was, answer there. No, I love it. I love it. it it's uh, like Charles in his um, trust formula, he has intimacy as a part of that formula. And and I always, I always scratch my head about that one a bit, like intimacy in in business what does that relate to but but we're all like you said in the beginning it's humans helping humans i was almost going to say sell selling to humans but i guess that's that's the end result but it's actually helping someone right uh, yeah 
And I guess it's that mindset that also creates a, a, a true connection. If someone feels that you are there to help them and you are there to understand them uh, and, and you have their best interest at heart, I think selling because becomes so much simpler uh, than if you're just trying to get that outcome, as you said, uh, and, and try to push <laughs> the product or service or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's the old saying that if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there's things that we do very well. And then, you know, you just can only have so much expertise, right? So yeah. one of the things I will do on an introductory call, I will say, well, you know, we, I know where we play well, and we've learned by this time to stay in our lane. But if there's some of the things you need, I have some very good resources. And so right there, it just opens it up. I don't have to be, and I may be just simply not the right fit at all. That's okay. I can help that person refer him to one of my referral partners. And guess what? I deepen that relationship. Yeah, definitely. So you kind of answered one of my other questions, which was, uh, how could we systemize uh, this, uh, this question of, of connections? And I guess the example you just gave is a good way to do that. Like, do we know, maybe it doesn't have to be 66, but do we know these, the answers to these questions to the most important customers we have or about right. them? So yeah, yeah that's, we, a, that's good. We have a, you know, pre-call planning form as many, you know, sales speakers and trainers do. But one of the things I incorporated in that from Harvey McKay's work was I listed uh, uh, some of the personal questions and it really came from what is some of the basics we should know? And, uh, you know, it's maybe 10 questions there, but, you know, sometimes we're just missing some of that. And that's a big part of this human being that we're calling on mm-hmm. and, and such. So um, what's the personal data we should know besides who's the decision maker when they make decisions, you know, who's the incumbent, all of those things are very important, but the human side is, is some of that personal. I think we're losing out on the human. I think our society is becoming like, like I said, instant gratification, very tech oriented. We want the AI to do everything for us. <laughs> no, it cracks uh, me up. Yeah, me too. And it just, that's not how humans work. Uh, but <laughs> we, we try to trick ourselves into, into those shortcuts. Like, oh, maybe it will work this time if I automate this email nurturing flow. They'll just come knocking at my door. Right, right. I, and you know, what's interesting and in, you know, I think some of the technology can support it, but, you know, you really, unless you really have a desire to connect with someone, um, no amount of skill training is going to change that. So, you know, you can pick up empathy in a conversation. I know they've got all these mm-hmm. algorithms there, but, you know, empathy is first and foremost a paying attention skill. And so yeah. AI can't, quite pick up on that. I may be incorrect there. And we've got a lot of sales organizations that are teaching their salespeople to be habitually distracted. And with technology, you got Slack coming up, you got text coming Mm -hmm. up. And, you know, I really manage that because, you know, I've studied this for a long time. So we're kind of working on the wrong end of the problem. I'm going to have AI to show where you were empathetic. But first of all, to be empathetic, I got to be paying attention. I just saw George, his eyes kind of shifted. The tonality changed. And that's where I'm going to be able to then adjust or call an elephant in the room or maybe an unspoken objection. Staying in the present isn't always easy, especially if the only thing we're doing is listening for a a silent spot where we can pitch. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and if you think about it, 
paying attention mm. is a habit. So I very quickly um, dismiss when people um, say to me, well, you know, attention spans are declining. And uh-huh. this is me being a little bit of a contrarian. And my response is, well, tell that to my husband's orthopedic surgeon who has replaced um, his right knee and his left hip. Because when he went into surgery, he didn't tell my husband, Jim, now, Jim, I got to take a break every seven minutes. You know, I've been trained by TV and all those advertisements. So you take a look at a surgeon that can focus intently for three to four hours. Don't tell me this is about attention spans declining. This is about our desire and our ability to develop the habit of paying attention. Mm. So I, I kind of I kind of poo-poo that one a little bit. And, and, and it's gotten a little bit more difficult. You know, when I started in sales, it was nirvana. You didn't have voicemail. <laughs> you didn't have email. <laughs> and I'm saying this kiddingly. But, you know, you were able, your environment, you worked without some of the distractions you have today. So mm. you've got to be more intentional about controlling your environment so you can pay attention, be present, be empathetic, and then make that human connection. Yeah, well, that's a very, very good point. And I like every every time someone brings up a surgeon as an example, it's it's kind of in, interesting and fun. Because uh, when I wrote my book, that was one of my my one of my examples on how salespeople kind of lack uh, the structure that uh, a lot of other professions have. Uh, we just wing it a lot of mm-hmm. times. We we do need that structure. We do need that attention. We do need that also assistance and guidance uh, from uh, from our managers um, to, to help us and coach us. Well, and, and the think- research is pretty clear. Structure is the only way you will learn. And so mm. this is why, you know, you know, trainers like, you know, you and I, we will teach acronyms, models and frameworks. Um, structure actually decreases stress. And so mm. when you take a look at calendar blocking, that is a form of structure. I know what I'm going to do every day at this hour of the day. And so that decreases my stress. But the major reason people aren't, um, you know, calendar blocking, I still take that back. Um, When I set my calendar out for the week, it could take me 30 to 45 minutes to calendar block every day. What I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, um, working with my energy units. Well, you know what? That's about delayed gratification. But if I put in the work, I earn the reward of a much, um, a stress-free week. That is very true. And, but that comes back to that long-term perspective and, and uh, actually doing the work, hard work needed up front to, to harvest the fruit later on, which is painful sometimes. <laughs> it's easier to get that quick gratification of sending those 200 emails. <laughs> right. So as a friend of mine that uh, she grew up in business in Silicon Valley, and she said the funniest thing to me at a lunch uh, two years ago because I was asking her about the tech stack and the latest tools and all that. And she just looked at me and she said, Colleen, sometimes all we're doing with this technology, we're we're just speeding up the amount of crap we're sending out. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I just cracked up because it was quantity over quality, right? So yeah, yeah, busy versus productive. Yeah, well, that happens all the time. Uh, We talked a little bit with Michelle about networking, because when we think about connections, maybe it's easy to to think about networking and going to events and and some people just loathe that. They don't they they get really nervous just thinking about the word networking. And I think uh, she said an interesting uh, comment on that, that 
the the word work is in networking and and that's that's not good <laughs> uh, because networking you think of as something you do and it's easy <laughs> to fall into the trap of of networking for need instead of then actually being her perspective was we should be a connector mm-hmm. uh, and we should connect to connect and if something comes out of that 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 helps you solve a need that's great but and um, what do you, what's your do you think she has a point there to sort of be think of of this have the mindset of being a connector instead of i'm going to do some networking well, I, I think the the research is pretty clear on that. And, and really, if you take a look at Dr. Robert Cialdini's work, right, the principle of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, you know, based on his work, the cliff notes are when you give someone something, they actually feel obligated to give back. Now, the word obligated kind of rings, you know, you got to watch that one a little bit. But just let's take yep. a look at that with the networking concept. What if you had the mindset that you're going to a networking event and your goal is to meet two people you can help? And it's very easy when you start training your brain to do this. So I might meet someone. I'll say, you know what? You need to meet this person. Um, And then you need to meet this person. Now, I'm fairly good at doing this, but let me share the mistake I would make, especially when I was really building this business. And I was at every networking event in Denver, Colorado. Okay, (laughs) if there were people there, I was there. But I was so good at going, oh, you need to meet this. But then I'd get back to my office. And if I had not calendar block time, to set up those introductions, I might fall short of my promise. So you got to be a little careful in that one. But yeah, if right. you go with the idea of uh, who are two people I can meet tonight that possibly I can connect, this can be something how you help develop client relationships. Because you know you might connect your client with someone with a resource that they've been looking for, but they didn't have time to vet. Or these two might be able to sell to one another. You know that they actually need someone here. So there's, I think if you go with the give mode, reciprocity mode then the rest starts happening yeah makes sense this has been fantastic and i'm sure people would want to know more about you so where could they find your work read read your books connect yeah so we uh we published two books the first is emotional intelligence for sales success and then our second book emotional intelligence for sales uh sales leadership so probably your easiest place is goodreads or amazon there or hopper collins a website and then our website has a lot of free resources, George, and that website is salesleadershipdevelopment.com. So if they go to the resource, there's podcasts, there's books, there's uh, we've got a newsletter or a vlog that we make every week as well. So they could sign up for that if they want some weekly tips. Beautiful. So big thanks for coming on the show. And well, thank you for having me as your guest. Make. I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. So see you online. Uh, making connections. <laughs> yes. And have a good have a good day. <laughs> you too, George. Thank you.